You're listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. One of the most challenging things for me about the nighttime is how it can become this perfect storm. On one hand, there can be this sense of isolation that makes you feel like you're the only one awake. Then throw in how worries, fears, and sadness get magnified at night, and it can feel like a pretty desperate and lonely place. In general, if I notice this going on in the middle of the night, I can redirect. But I know if it gets really bad, I can wake up my partner and the whole experience will shift because I won't be alone in what I'm feeling. He'll open his eyes and hold me, and I'll remember that things will look better in the morning. I haven't had to do this in a long time, and I feel lucky for that. But just knowing that I have a nighttime connection safety net, that's a huge comfort. A lot of people don't have that luxury. Fortunately, there's a group of people who make it their mission to bring comfort and hope to people in the night. Lyle Beckman is one such person, and I'm going to let him tell you all about it. If I could choose a time of the day to work, it would be nighttime. How are things for you on this rainy night? I'm Lyle Beckman. I am the night minister with the San Francisco Night Ministry. How are you? I think day people would do themselves a great service if they can find a way to spend a couple of nights in their own neighborhood walking around I love to look at the moon when it's shining through the neon lights. It's just it's a beautiful city at night. But I think nighttime can be, for some people, a lonely and scary place. I've been with Night Ministry 12 years, and this is now my 10th year working full-time as the Night Minister. Uh, The uh, San Francisco Night Ministry provides crisis intervention, counseling, and referral services every night of the year between the hours of 10 p.m. and 4 a.m., and that's done primarily in two ways. We have a crisis telephone line, and then we have ordained clergy who literally walk the streets of San Francisco, and uh, we've been doing that now for 52 years. We haven't missed a night in 52 years. We're on the corner of Turk and Taylor in the Tenderloin, and we'll just do a quick walk around a couple of blocks here. There are folks that uh, we see pretty regularly in some places in the walk that we're gonna take now. And I just wanna see if they're out, if they're dry, and if there's uh, anything we can do for them tonight. We, we walk very slowly so that when people see us coming, you know, I call it the night ministry saunter. It's kind of ambling around. We don't want to give the impression that we have some place to go or someone to see, that we're available. And we're looking to make eye contact with everyone we meet. How you doing, my friend? Sometimes we're just who they need to speak to at that moment. And so that eye contact that invites them into a conversation. And then that's how our conversations start. How you doing? You know, kind of late tonight. Are you okay? My name is Kevin. It's a blessing to meet you. I've been back from Louisiana since uh, December 11. I'm 60 years old. I got an income, a disability, but I can't seem to get off the street. 
They got all these buildings that's been renovated, but they won't let us in off the street, but they don't want you to sleep on the street. So I have to walk the street all night. And it's not safe? No, it's, it's not, not healthy? Safe. We in a red light district where dope and shit is going on 24-7. And the reason that you participate in this motherfucking shit is because you ain't got nowhere to go. So the next best thing is to try to stay up until you can find you somewhere to go to sleep. So you get into all kind of mischief. You know what I'm saying? Too much idle time is not good for a youngster or an old motherfucker. So often when you hear people say, well, we've got to get these people off the streets, it's not because they're concerned about their health and welfare. Watch it, watch it, watch it. Uh-huh. It's because they're concerned about what it looks like. And they don't want to be bothered. They don't want to be confronted with poverty. It's just so much easier, right, if they would just go away. Nighttime can be lonely, creepy, frightening, and, and that's what people oftentimes feel in the middle of the night. So maybe during the day, they feel like by themselves they can handle the things that they're facing. They can be easily distracted. They can find someone if they need to, you know, just to chat. Uh, but come six o'clock in San Francisco, or 10 o'clock, whatever that magic hour is, when all of a sudden they realize there's nobody I can talk to. I really like nighttime. It's, to me, it's a quiet, peaceful, lovely time for reflection and I, I just have always been drawn to the nighttime. And uh, I'm not an early morning riser, and that's always been a difficulty for me in my daytime jobs. So, I mean, I've managed, obviously, but it's not something I've enjoyed. And to start work at 10 o'clock at night is a real pleasure. Um, so I like nighttime. I enjoy meeting the people of the night. Every time I get some money, I go look out for somebody. I, I look out for somebody. I pass it along. I pay it forward. I, I, I give it back to somebody else, right? Sometimes we're called the church's night shift. All of our clergy wear clerical collars, so many of the folks that see us immediately identify us in some way to the church and that is either a good thing or a bad thing in their mind. Uh, some people think that uh, we're there to judge them and shame them, but others know that uh, when they see us on the streets that we'll be kind and caring. And if someone needs a word of hope or a word of forgiveness or a word of comfort or a conversation about the meaning of life. If someone is ready to end their life and they need to talk with someone about the struggles that they've gone through in their life, if someone is still trying to heal from trauma, whether it's a day old or 40 years old, uh, we can help them. If the issue is a religious one, we'll certainly handle that with them. But our goal is not to be 
religious specifically in our response to folks. We just want to answer the questions that they might have or help them go through their issues. I mean, I can tell people about the shelters and where they are and how to access them, or I can talk with seniors about you know, where they might go to look for senior housing in the Bay Area. And I never have to have a conversation that's religious or that includes prayer. We don't initiate conversations partly because we don't want to have people have the impression then that we have an agenda other than being there for them. We're not there to judge anyone, to change anyone, to fix anyone. We're really meeting everyone that we meet on their terms, in their place. This is who they are. We talk with a lot of people who are either um, struggling with all of the burdens of life or they can't sleep at night so they call us or talk with us on the streets or they're looking for the answers to the questions you know what is the meaning of life or is my life worth anything and they find us and we can be engaged in good conversation with them so we can do anything from uh, suicide prevention to simply being a good friend and a voice maybe in the middle of the night for someone who's so isolated and lonely that they need to have someone that they can talk with. There are these 24-hour hotlines and they're great but as far as I know there's no other program in San Francisco where you can have that one-on-one, face-to-face, I'm gonna look you in the eye, I'm gonna hold your hand kind of conversation that we can have with someone at night. Some people need that human touch and that human conversation to be a face-to-face conversation. They're isolated enough, and while a conversation on the phone might be helpful, they need to see another human being that is becoming a part of their life and offering all that they need to feel human in that moment and to feel like there really is somebody with them as they walk in this lonely and dark place at night. Most people just want to be happy and at peace with the world, have a couple of people around them that love them and care for them and that they can care for in return. I mean, our human needs are pretty basic, right? So, but if you, if you don't have those things in place and you see someone with a clerical collar walking the street at night and they come up and say, can you offer me a prayer? It can be a powerful, powerful moment. I'm good. You bless me. Would you give me a blessing? Oh, I would. Yeah, yeah. What's your name? Uh, Vernon Wells. Vernon, I'd be happy to give you a blessing. So, anything special? Uh, Just to make sure I get home and my family's safe and and to look at me over these hard times and dealing with, you know, the city's a rough place. Tell me. So I'll put my hand on your shoulder if that's okay. So gracious and loving God, we ask that you would be with Vernon. Bless him 
and keep him safe. Uh, help him to stay warm, surround him with good people. And so they can tell me about a broken relationship or they can tell me about their addiction or their sadness or their grief or their fear. And we can offer that up in prayer. And in that moment, it takes them to a new place in a different place. So where they were before, alone and afraid, now they have a little bit different perspective on their life and on that night. One o'clock. The neighborhoods that we go into vary from night to night and week to week. Uh, we always try to choose neighborhoods where people are expected to be out, literally on the streets. So that implies neighborhoods where there are a lot of bars and clubs, or it might imply neighborhoods where there are a lot of people sleeping on the streets. and the neighborhoods where there are always people out are the Tenderloin, South of Market, Union Square, Polk Street, North Beach, uh, Fisherman's Wharf, especially when it's warmer, Haight Street. Of all the neighborhoods that we walk, right, I like them all. I, I have to say I love San Francisco and I love the people that we meet in each one of those neighborhoods, but I have a special interest in the Tenderloin, uh, only because I think that there's so much misunderstanding about who lives there, what is there, whether it's dangerous or not. And yes, I mean, there are people who are threatening, there are people who are using drugs or selling drugs, there are sex workers, and I've heard more than my share of gunshots in the Tenderloin. But for the most part, people are sweet and lovely. They invite us into their neighborhood. How you doing? This is Cordell, I'm Jennifer. So often, when you think of the people who are living on the streets, they get stepped over and spit at and ignored all day long. And I don't care if they're a raving lunatic and just talking gibberish. If you stop and you let them talk and you look them in the eyes and you treat them as a human being, something changes within them. And they are so grateful to be at least thought of in that moment as a human being and have a reasonable and decent and loving and caring human interaction. And so we spend a lot of our time just listening to people who are chatting away, and sometimes it makes sense, and many times it doesn't. But it's an important moment for them, and it's a reminder for us that we can't ever walk by and just not try to make eye contact with everyone we see. The Tenderloin has bars at night, and there are a few on the edges of the Tenderloin, there are a few restaurants that are open late, but not um, 24 hours, and there are some donut and coffee shops that are open. But over the years, just in the 12 years that I've been with Night Ministry, uh, so many of the 24-hour diners or the 24-hour donut shops are closing. 
And I don't know if it's because rents are so high or people are just tired of working a business round the clock or whether the, the newer population in San Francisco, the high-tech folks, don't stay up late. They're not out late. Just about every neighborhood has a 24-hour donut shop. There is just something about going into a donut shop in San Francisco and watching the donuts being made fresh at 2 o'clock in the morning. And the aroma, you know, if the wind is just right, you can, you can pick up the aroma of the donuts three blocks away. And it just kind of calls to you. And some of the donut shops have enough space for people to gather and visit. And it's just incredibly lovely in some cases to see people really just talk with their neighbors or talk with other folks that they've just met. And it's just a nice way to, to end a night, perhaps, for some people. For night ministry, these donut shops are actually a good place for us to be when it's raining because there aren't as many people that are hanging out on a street corner at night when it's raining. Uh, people who are sleeping on the streets usually are hunkered down and they have all their protection over them and we never wake anyone up or bother anyone. But uh, on those cold and windy and rainy nights, um, there are two good places to meet people. One is the donut shop and the other is the neighborhood bars. I might try one of the new bars that are opening up. There are a lot of fancier bars that uh, are now catering to a younger group of people who don't live in the Tenderloin, but think that the Tenderloin is an exciting place to come to party. And so um, I've been well received in some of these new bars. Quite often in this day and age, when people see the clerical collar, they, they really don't know who we are. Some of the younger folks that we meet in bars and clubs have no idea. More than once, I've had someone in the Tenderloin come up to me and say, I've seen you around. And they really want to just know who we are. And then eventually, the word gets out, and then people in the neighborhood know who we are. Sometimes if we know people over a period of time, they'll run up to us and give us a big hug. The bartenders and the grocery store managers, the owners, they give us information. So they might say, uh, you know, so-and-so is having a bad night tonight. Maybe if you could wander over and see if he's outside. And so we do that. I was in North Beach and I was talking with the bouncer at one of the strip clubs and uh, I've gotten to know them pretty well and uh, this gentleman comes out of the strip club and he looks at me and immediately I could tell that just even my presence there had an effect on him and I thought he was going to be angry because I thought that maybe he thought that I would judge him or shame him for being in a strip club. But he came up to me and said, Father, I need to talk with you. And we found a quiet corner and he shared the story that uh, on that morning his father had died and he has some unresolved issues with his father and he really didn't know what to do. 
So he he did what a lot of men do, and he just ignored his feelings and said, I'm going to get drunk, and he was. But we talked for a good long time. I always have a card available I can hand to folks, so I told him how to reach me the next day, and sure enough, the next day, well, the next night, he called, and we had a lovely and wonderful conversation about his relationship with his father and how to grieve and I think it was incredibly powerful for him but the timing which is perfect had I not been in front of that strip club you know who knows where he might have gone next in all of the 52 years that night ministry has been on the streets we've never had any night minister seriously hurt there are people that we see uh, dealing drugs and using drugs, and I'm always not sure how they're going to respond when they look up and they see a priest watching them shoot up. Sometimes people, because of their mental health issues, don't understand who we are or why we're out. Uh, I talked with a Vietnam vet one night, but all of a sudden he had what appeared to be a flashback, and I reminded him of, a, of, first of all, a chaplain that he had had in the Vietnam War, and then I reminded him of some of the Viet Cong that he was fighting against, and he went to uh, attack me. But I'm a big enough guy that I was able to calm him down before the attack went any farther. And then in that moment, he came out of his crisis. And then he remembered who I was. Our relationship with the police department is, um, is good um, or neutral. When we're out at night, sometimes the police will stop and they'll want to make sure that we're okay, that we know where we are. And so it's a good opportunity to say, yes, we know where we are, and thank you very much for watching out for us. Uh, there have been times when I think the police uh, are roaming around and people who are involved in illicit activities will seek us out and then we become the cover for them. And so they're hoping that if they can talk with us long enough, maybe the police will lose interest and drive away and then they won't be harassed. So we know we get used by people on the streets. There have been times when the police have called out to us if they see us and asked if we could provide some support if there's been an accident or a shooting or an incident and we've provided some care. But one of the things that we don't want is when we're walking down the streets, we don't want people to think that we're working for the police or that we're too friendly with the police because then when people need to really talk about some of the issues in their life or the anger that they have or what they've done or what they need to do, uh, I, I don't want them to think that we're going to tell their story to the police. Now, I have to say, we have had police officers call us as well and talk with us at night uh, because they want to talk about things that are on their heart and mind, and um, I think that's fine. They know they can also trust us.
I think that the night between two and four in the morning is a lonely and desperate place because it's that in-between time. It's maybe a little too early to call it morning and things aren't open yet. There's not that early morning energy. The bars have been closed for an hour. People have found their way home, but yet there might be some stragglers out there desperately looking to make a human connection. Certainly the street walkers, sex workers are out trying to make one more connection with someone who's lonely. I've seen some awful things in this life. Um, and I don't even think I've seen the worst that human life has to offer. I've not been in a war zone. I've not seen the kind of destruction that people in other parts of the world see. But I see a lot of people who are at their worst. And I think that a combination of just having that human connection and asking God's blessing, that hope can really move us to another level and our life can be different. Life can be good. It can be wonderful. And hope uh, is, is what we offer. Who doesn't want a word of hope? What do I feel at the end of the night? Uh, when I get home, more often than not, I am so full of energy because I know that we've provided something incredibly important for folks in the middle of the night when there may not be anyone else that they can talk to or turn to. Generally, I'm at peace with myself um, when I finally close my eyes at 8 in the morning and I usually can sleep pretty well into the afternoon. You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Thank you to Lyle Beckman for the work that he and others like him do for the people of the night. Huge thanks to Ian Lewis. This piece wouldn't exist without his great work. Ian produced a shorter piece that aired on KALW and generously shared all of the material he recorded so I could produce this piece. Don't forget to subscribe to Nocturne on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please rate us and write a review. You can support Nocturne on Patreon by donating as little as $1 a month. It adds up and it really helps. Go to patreon.com slash nocturnepodcast. Nocturne is proud to be a founding member of The Herd, an audio storytelling collective with members all over North America. The beautiful and poignant show Rumble Strip by Erica Heilman is a recent addition. Here's a clip. But you tell me you worry because you don't know whether you're making sense or not. Yeah, that's right. I can see that I'm not getting as much as I had before. Mm. But it could turn itself around. If it levels out, oh my. Oh, how glorious. Find out about all the shows in The Herd at theherdradio.com. That's H-E-A-R-D. Thanks for listening.